Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. And as we do, let's start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 9th to the 11th of October. So, people, we have got, ooh, I ain't like, hmm, three, three new entries in the top 10 this week, which is always fun. So, at number 10, and our first new entry, and a film that we have talked about during our coverage of the 64th London Film Festival, we have Kajillion Air. So this is by Miranda July. She wrote and directed, and it's starring Evan Rachel Wood. It's starring Gina Rodriguez, Deborah Winner, and Richard Jenkins. And people, you should go see it. It's extremely good. So at number nine, we have got Dan Scanlon's Onward with a voice cast of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Lewis Dyfus, and Tracy Ullman. Which means at number eight, it's Villain Ted Face the Music. So this is from Dean Parrott. And obviously, it's starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Christian Schoel, and Samara Weaving. Okay, so, at number seven, people, we have got The Elkins. So, this is from director Yuti von Mürkikpil. With a voice cast of Gila Hus, Louise Hoffman, Leon Siegel, and Dietelf Bittedit. So, at number six, we've got Sophie Capella's new piece, and that's On the Rocks. It's starring Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, Marlon Waynes, and Jenny Slate. As which means, people, at number five, we've got Cats and Dogs Free Pause Unite. So this is from director Sean McNamara, and we have got Princess Davis, Sarah Giles, Max Greenfield, and Megan Peter Hill. So, ooh, we are drawing to the end. At number four, we have got After We Collide. This is from Roger Crumble, and it's starring Josephine Langford, Hero Finds Tiffin, Louise Lamlud, and Dylan Sprouse. So, at number three, we've got a new entry. It's an old film, though, people. It is the um, Hatirishmu Chumu classic Akira. So, at number two, we have another new entry. 
and it's a film that we talked about during the 63rd BFI London Film Festival. We've got rose glasses, really interesting and innovative Saint Maud. So this has got great performances from Morphid Clark, Jennifer Elk, and Lily Knight. So that means still holding it down at number one, we got Christopher Nolan's Tenant, starring Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Patterson, got Clement Posey, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and John David Washington. So, people, before we get into this week's reviews, and we've got a couple for you, let's hear a little information. Let's go. Independent cinema pop-up screens is back this winter, taking over Peckham's popular boozy building with a season of exciting and immersive events taking place from from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December. The pop-up Peckham series will feature scary screenings in a forbidden forest, Belly laughs at the first ever Peckham Comedy Festival, a half-term family film fest, and the return of cinema in the snow. A stunning cinematic Christmas experience set in a magical snow-filled wonderland. The Forbidden Forest Cinema, which takes place the 23rd of October to the 15th of November, it's kicking off the schedule of events will be um, a collection of immersive Fright Night Halloween screenings. Visitors must brave their way through a forbidden forest before discovering an eerie woodland cinema, the perfect setting for their favourite film. Films include Halloween horror favourites such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Hereditary, It, Beetlejuice, Scream, The Shining, and The Blair Witch Project, as well as cult classics like Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror Picture Show, From Dusk Till Dawn, Labyrinth, and The Craft. Half-term screenings of Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Onward, Myuna, Minions and Toy Story 4 will also be part of the schedule coupled with a family friendly magical adventure through the mysterious forest. Adult tickets will be priced from £22 including all fees with concessions for family tickets and half term screenings. A limited amount of VIP tickets will also be made available at £27.50 again including all fees, premium seats and a drink. Other announced events that will follow later in the year include Peckham Comedy Festival, the 19th to the 22nd of November, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, which is the 27th of November to the 20th of December. 
Okay, so the booking information are in the episode details. So if you fancy some cinema in a forest, some snow and comedy, go and check it out. Okay, so this is for all you Shudder, Horror and Creepshow fans. Shudder are pleased to announce the start of production on the highly anticipated second season of its hit series Creepshow in Atlanta, Georgia. The anthology series which shattered All Shudder Records, when it debuted last October, is executive produced by showrunner Greg Nicoretto, who was involved with The Walking Dead. And it's based on George A. Romaro's iconic 1982 movie. The six-episode second season will premiere exclusively on Shudder in 2021. The show is following all safety guidelines and protocols in accordance with SAG, AFTRA, DOGA and all of those other guidances etc etc. Right, so Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager had um you know he had this to say season one was a monster hit for us setting viewership records across the board while becoming the best viewed non-horror series of 2019 for season two Greg Nicoretto and his team have outdone themselves with bigger and bolder stories, new incredible creature designs and clever twists that truly live up to the show's tagline. The most fun you'll have being scared. You know, and Nicoretto, he had this to say, I've never been happier to get behind the camera as I am today. After missing our shoot date in March by just over 48 hours, season 2 of Creepshow hits the ground running as cameras begin to roll. The cast and the crew have a level of excitement and enthusiasm I've never seen before. And it's inspiring. So many of us in the entertainment industry have been waiting for the day we can begin to do what we do best. To have some fun together, creating new worlds, new adventures, and new thrills. You know, their shadow also revealed initial details about four of this season's segments, which will be directed by Nicoretto, Anna Camp, and Adam Pally. Um, you know, will also star in Shapeshifters Anonymous Parts 1 and 2, written by Nicoretto, based on a short story by J.A. Conrath, um, about an unlucky soul who finds himself in need of a werewolf support group. Uh, Keith David, Ashley Lawrence, and Josh McDermott, will star in Pesticide, written by Frank Dietz, in which an exterminator makes an infernal bargain 
and Model Kid, written by returning creep show writer John Espiotto. Um, is about a 12 year old monster fan who turns to hand built model kits to escape his unhappy reality. Additional titles, castings, and directors will be announced soon. So, in its first season, Creepshow smashed records for Shudder in number of viewers. New subscriber sign-ups and total minutes streamed to become the most-watched program in Shudder history, followed by a successful run on AMC. The show was a hit with critics as well as fans as one of 2019's best-reviewed non-genre series with a 97% fresh rating on review aggregator Rotten Tomato. The inaugural season starred David Arquette, Adrien Babu, Tobin Bell, Big Boy, Jeffrey Combs, Kid Cudi, Bruce Davison, uh, Giancarlo Esperito, Dana Gould, Trisha Heffer and DJ Quails and featured adaptations of stories by Stephen King, Joe Hill, Joe R. Lansdale and Josh Maelstrom. So, when season two debuts, I'll make sure you are there to check it out. Okay, people, so now we've heard all of that. Let's get into this week's films. Okay, people, well, who doesn't like a good anthology, right? Now, the the problem usually is sometimes not all the stories are as strong as um as they could be. Right, so, you know, it can get a little bit dicey But when you have something where everything holds up That's always good, right? And, um, yeah, I think you find that with a new Shudder original That's available today, people It's called The Mortuary Collection And, uh you know, it's an anthology that has four stories. It's um, written and directed by Ryan Spindell, produced by Alison Friedman and T. Justin Ross, and it is starring Clancy Brown as our, um, you know, he's the mortician, Montgomery Dark. Uh, then we've got Catelyn Cluster. She is Sam. Right? So they're our anchoring two cast members, as it were. Then we've got Christine Kilmer, Jacob Ellardy, Barrett Hardley, Sarah Hay, Mike C. Nelson, Ema. Hova, Jennifer Irwin, James Buckman, Brennan Murray, and Michael Bow. Uh, we've got music from Mondo Boys, and the cinematography is Ellie 
Smolkin and Caleb Heyman. Right, so the the gist of it is this. A young woman, Sam, attends the funeral of a small boy, a, um, a small boy, approaching the mortician, Montgomery Dark, afterwards about a job opening. She challenges him to tell her the scariest stories about death that he has witnessed in his position. What follows is four short stories. Right, so um I think it, it starts in uh in a way that does catch you off guard, right? So we got a boy riding a bicycle and he's delivering papers. And it's one of those things where, you know, this kid is yeah, he's riding reckless. So you, at any moment, I'm just watching, thinking, all right. So when's he gonna get run over? Right? <laughs> what? What's the hideous accident we're gonna get to see? <laughs> and nothing happens. I'm mean, like, God damn it. Okay, fine. So he, um, then he's riding through the woods, and you're like, okay, something's gonna jump out. Like something's gonna happen. Is a bear gonna eat him? Ooh, I wonder. <laughs> but nothing, nothing. So um, yeah, he he hits this place. It's the uh, you know the mortician's parlor, and he notices all the papers are still there, still sitting. So he goes to the front door. He knocks. No one answers, and he's poking around. He's trying to see. And he looks through the letterbox, can't see anything. Then he sees some eyes, and he takes a picture, because he has a camera with him. Um, And the door starts to open, but the camera's caught, and he's panicking, panicking, and he he finally gets away. Door opens, and we've got Montgomery Dark, and he's holding the camera. And, you know, he tries to open the camera back, and the boy runs off. So, yeah, we were like, hmm, okay, here we are. But then we jump to a funeral, and we got Dark, you know, delivering this eulogy and just all of this. He's going a little bit crazy, so you're waiting, waiting for something crazy to happen, and nothing, nothing, people. But everyone leaves, right, and he's, um, you know, Tidying up And then he You know Finds a girl A girl in there By the coffin And he challenged You know He's like Don't I wouldn't do that You know And um, Then he's like Why are you here And She says She's here for the job Right And I didn't notice it at first, but supposedly there was a job notice, you know, help wanted sign outside. So he's like, okay, fine. And he's, you know, talking to her about the role. And he shows her around the building. And as he's doing that, she, you know, she, as it says, he, she challenges him to tell her stories, which is kind of rambunctious, right? A little obnoxious, you know what I mean? Um, 
But yeah, you know, Dark decides to oblige, and we get four stories, right? So it's not a bad way to kind of get into this old, uh, you know, anthology, right? Not a bad way to do it. So our first story is um, set in the 50s, right? We've got a... um, yeah, we got a woman and she's in a bathroom, right? She's in a bathroom and you get the impression that she's kind of hiding from someone. And then we get someone who, uh, yeah, he's knocking at the door and he's just like, hey, 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 you know, I had a good time talking with you. Oh, so, you know, can we continue? And you're thinking, ooh. Okay, where's this going to lead? You know, she's hiding from this weirdo. Ooh, this could be interesting, right? I wonder what the story is. So, a few things then happen that kind of, you know, flip you on this situation that, you know, I guess you would perceive to have taken place, Right? And it kind of turns out that this chick might not be as legit as first seems. And um, in the bathroom, there's a cabinet. And she's poking around. And she can't get it open. So it kind of all then revolves around this situation. So what we get is this short little story. But it's not bad, right? It's pretty compelling. It's pretty compelling. And uh, I guess, you know, the message is don't go poking around in other people's cabinets, people. You know what I mean? Do not do it. It's not worth it. So, yo, in between these stories, we then jump back to Sam and Dark, right? So then they're talking, and she's just like, yeah, wasn't a great story. Was a bit short, right? Wasn't really scary. Give me something else. So then we jump to... um, one that is set in the 60s, right? And we've got um, a college fraternity, right? So it, it starts off with a guy giving this speech to some girls, right? Giving this speech to some girls about female empowerment and, you know, the matriarchy, Rising up and all of this stuff, which straight away, yeah, got you, you, you know, what I mean, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this, yeah, this is off, right? This dude, kind of weird, kind of creepy. I, I see where this is going. Now, the girls go, right, well, it ends and he's handing out condoms, right? Handing out condoms and he invites them. To a party that the fraternity are throwing So, um, yeah The girls go and he turns around and his two friends are there One guy, you know, both younger guys One 
he's a he's kind of cocky. You can see that he wants to be where this dude is, right? And then you've got another guy who is uh hmm. Well, let's just say he's a bit nerdy, right? But he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy, but he he doesn't really he's not very smooth, doesn't have the moves, but he really wants to be that guy. So then you're thinking, okay, maybe these are the guys, right? Maybe this is where everything pops off. And we get a girl come through. And this nerdy guy, he sees her and he's just like, ah. And he chases after her. He's trying to put the moves on. And, um, yeah, not going well. Not going well. So then our main guy, he comes along. And, uh, you know, he gets rid of him. And he's talking to the girl. And it's one of those ones where, you know, he's trying to be all smooth. And, uh, you know, work his game But she throws him off with a few kind of things that, like, she says You know, like, he makes a joke and he's like, um But she's like, oh, you seem a bit old To uh, be a freshman's kind of thing He's just like, oh yeah, I've just come here to uh, get laid <laughs> And she's like, yeah, me too and he's just like, what, what, is, uh, is that, you know what I mean? He's all flustered now, doesn't know what to do. But he invites her to the party, right? So then we jump to the evening, party's on, and uh, she's there, right? She turns up. So he now, you know, he comes, meets her, and things get a little heated. Things get a little heated, right? So... We are, you know, because it's just like, where is this story going, right? Where is this story going? And I should say, at the beginning, before we lead into all of these stories, you usually get the, you know, the mortician, Montgomery Dark, he will give a little, and this is a story where, you know, yeah, be- better safe than never is definitely the thing. Yeah, it'll give a little kind of leading quip that kind of sums up what you're going to expect. So you're kind of thinking, all right, where is this story going? And um, this girl, she pulls out one of the condoms that he was handing out earlier. He doesn't really want to wear it, but yeah. They, you know, things happen, everything goes, and that's when things take a turn. They take a turn. And I guess, right, from that moment, you kind of, you you, you kind of get the, you know, the angles in which this story could be going, Right? You kind of figure, okay, it's either going to be this or this. And, um, yeah, it is. But 
it is fun. You know, even though you can kind of guess where it is going after a certain point, it is fun, right? And so we we move from that story. Sam's enjoyed it. You know, she enjoyed the story. And then she's like, okay, you know, something else. Because that, it wasn't so much, it was a good story, but it wasn't scary. Give me something scary. And so he's like, okay, alright, how about this one? So then we get a story set in the 70s. So, um, this is a, like, it's an, because we, we first, we meet a guy, right? And I think the quip leading into this one is like, death do us part, something like that, right? So we meet a guy. And he's getting married. He's getting married to this girl. And you think, okay, cool, cool. I mean, you do kind of look at it and you think to yourself, I wonder how they met. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, whatever, whatever. Right? Opposites attract and all of that. So, yeah, we see him getting married and they seem real happy. But then we jump. Forward, don't we don't know how how long what the time is and all of that, but she's really ill, and he's caring for her, and the story kind of it revolves around that, right? And yeah, you're you're looking at this thing, and it's a bit like, hmm. It all goes in a certain direction And it is It's a little grim It's a little grim it, And I think You do get thrown Right, because We see certain things Take place But then, when the story Ends A lot of that A lot of the things that have kind of Led up to the point Aren't there any longer So then you're like Oh What was Maybe fiction And what was real Hmm I don't know Right I don't know So you're a little thrown But You know She doesn't like that story Right Because she's like Well he only did What anyone in his position would do and you're kind of like, alright, you get it, but it is kind of shitty, right, well, no, it's very shitty, right, it's very shitty what takes place, so then we, we kind of lead in, so now we've got one more story left, and this time, she's just like, okay, you know what, I lied, I lied, I'm not really here for the job, I'm going to tell you my story, and so what we then get at the end, the end story is fun, the end story is very fun, and they play around with it a lot, 
you know, because there's stuff that we see on the, on a TV show, and then there's the, the 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 real kind of events from the story, and then there's some other stuff that's thrown in, and it's yeah, the end story is a lot of fun, right? Which then leads into this next thing. Right, which leads into the end of the of the film, and it all plays out real well. And the thing is, I I, I would say, the the story is like her story is very fun, but you do kind of think, and it's funny because I was thinking to myself, right, I thinking like this wasn't this wasn't bad. This was a fun film, right. And um, it's just a shame, it's just a shame because I felt that the Sam character is a little bit, hmm, what would you say? I get, well, let me just say, there's a certain way that this character acts and you're a bit like, eh. You know, but it is good though. But then, with what then takes place at the vet, it all makes sense. It all makes, and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that works, right? That works. Now, obviously, I've left out a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, right? Because I don't want to ruin it for you people. Trying to give you a little bit of flavor on what to expect. But everything does, it works, right? The stories kind of ramp up on, um, you know, the jumps, the crazy, you know, they build up pretty nicely. And they work well within themselves. Even the real short one at the beginning, it it's fun, it works, right? And so you would say, look... All the performances from everyone within those stories is good, right? Because there are, it's playing on the misdirects, right? It, it's playing on a lot of kind of tells and leading you in certain ways. And, and, and that works perfectly. You know, because there's a lot of times when you think, oh, they're going to do, oh, no, they're not. Oh, they've gone it. Oh, it's changed. And you're like, okay. So yeah, it, it's fun. And now, where is it? Like, you know, all the stories are set in different decades. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's easy to pick out which decade they are in. There's like the college one, which is meant to be. Um, you know, the 60s, you kind of think, well, they are dressed, like, you kind of see people dressing in a certain way, but it's one of those things where that fashion is kind of being adopted right now, right, that whole vintage look and stuff, so you are a little, but it doesn't really matter, right, that kind of element of it doesn't matter, but what is good is the feel, you know, it, it's the feel that's getting created with everything that we see. You know, it, it, it's whether it's like the, you know, the clothes everyone's wearing. 
It's the the lighting, the atmosphere. You know, the mood is always set, and you're just gripped. You are gripped by every story. Like the acting, everything just builds and draws you in. There's no point where you're kind of bored and just like, what are they gonna do now? No, you're just like, ooh, this is fun. Okay, I'm on board. Let's go. Right? So it, it's great. I'm very much in. And the effects are really good. Right? The effects are really good. Even, I would say, even at the very end where it then, like, goes in this other direction, I'm like, it still works, right, so it all builds, I will say this, it's, um, you know, it's marked down as a, a kind of horror, well, it's kind of fantasy and horror, and I would say, although I can understand the horror Right, the classification, but I would say, right, I would say this that it's not your traditional horror, it's not the crazy, crazy horror, right? It, it's a fun horror, right? It is some horror, you'll get some a few jumps, right? But it's, it's nothing too crazy, you know. So I, I, I think if you don't want anything that's too scary, too crazy, that you'll be you'll be cool with this. Okay? So um it's a as I said, it's a shadow original, right? So if you check the uh information for this episode, right, you will um see a code and that should give you a trial. Okay, so, um, yeah, make sure you do that, because there is a lot on Shudder, there is a lot of fun stuff on Shudder, people, and we've talked about a lot of it, right, you've got, um, you know, the cleansing hour, which we spoke about last week, and, yo, it's pretty damn great, right, the cleansing hour is fun as hell, you know, so you've got that, but you've also got stuff like, whew, yummy, you know, um, blood quarantine, blood machines, host, lake of death, you got the beach house, spiral, scare package, which, you know, if you enjoy this anthology, you'll enjoy scare package people, you know, then you've got the shed, so there is a lot to to pick from, so people, you know, you'll do the trial on Shudder, and you'll probably want to stick around, because they have got a lot of stuff, so yeah, go do that, go have fun, enjoy yourself people, you know what I mean, the mortuary collection is definitely worth a watch, Okay, enjoy. Okay, people. Well, you know what? Sometimes things come through that are fascinating. 
like so fascinating you have to give them a look and one of those things people is exhibition on screens new film Frida Kahlo right it's you know what I I've seen some of her work you know and it's fascinating right she she's one of those people that people talk about in a certain way you know they use the image in a certain way right like Fidel Castro Bob Marley like there's certain people that get adopted like this and it's always interesting Right, because you see people walking around in the t-shirts People with the prints And a lot of the time the people don't really know anything about these these cats, right But they, they find the image striking, so they have it Or they think it's the symbolisation of something Which it really isn't, right When you actually know the person Well, I say you know the person <laughs> I mean, we can never really know the people, right? But when you have an understanding of some of the things that they've said or done, you you kind of realize that, yeah, they're not really a symbol of this thing that you've tried to superimpose them onto, right? So, yeah, I kind of was like, you know what? Let me check this out. Because, yeah, I, I want to try and get a deeper understanding Or just see the things that I kind of comprehend Are they correct? You know what I mean? So yeah, I checked out this film Right, and um, it is fascinating, as I said So, it's directed by Ali Ray Right, um, written by Ray and Phil Grabsky, and there's a lot of people contributing to it, right? Supposed experts and you know historians and the like, right? Um, and I think so. This is the thing, right? Um, who? Was Frida Kahlo Everyone knows her But who was the woman behind the bright colours The big brows And the floral crowns Take a journey through the life Of a true icon Discover her art And uncover the truth behind her Often turbulent life Created in collaboration With experts who knew Kahlo And those that have studied And created her work Exhibition on screens, trademark combination of interviews, commentary and a detailed exploration of her art Delivers a treasure trove of colour and a feast of vibrancy Filmed extensively at the Blue House in Mexico City This personal and intimate film offers privileged access to her works and highlights the source of her feverish creativity, her resilience and her unmatched lust for life, politics, men and women. 
delving deeper than any film has done before, engaging with world-renowned Carlo experts, exploring how great an artist she was, discovered a real Frida Carlo. And, um, yeah, right? So you think, okay, this will give us a real look. Now, I mean, it's 90 minutes, so it gives you an understanding to a certain extent, but ah, comprehensive, who knows, right, who really knows, but it is very interesting, like, we look at a lot of different things here, and that's always fascinating, now, what is really fascinating is, um, you know, the director's take on it, Right, so Ray said this, right, directing this film has totally changed my view on Frida Kahlo as an artist. Beforehand, I hadn't really given her much attention, feeling a little put off by the ubiquity of her image as an icon on cushion covers and t-shirts. Now, having studied her works closely, and understanding their context of time and place, I'm utterly gripped. Having access to her personal letters was a key part of making the film, and in my own understanding of her work, it enabled me to see how the fragility and the insecurities revealed in her letters were processed through the act of painting. Her meticulously painted canvases were how she interpreted the world, her politics, passions and emotions, transforming them into images of strength, defiance and understanding, which is very interesting, right? You know, I, I, it's, it's very fascinating how, you know, that first kind of sentence that he, you know, didn't really consider her anything. Right, just because the way her image is being used, I think that's fascinating, and it's something that I think we see all the time. You know, people will be undermined for no other reason, right? Which is crazy. Now, when you, I guess, you know, look at Frida Kahlo's life, there is so much there that you just think. A lot of people really aren't, you know, they, they probably wouldn't be able to surmount, right? So she got polio at six, which, you know, it took a year to kind of recover from. But then, you know, you never really recover from. And then, right, she's met a guy she's in love with, you know? She's in love, she's happy, and she's on a trip with him. I think it when they were in um college, right? So she was she was studying to be a nurse, a doctor, nurse, so I, I forget, one of the two. And um yeah, they get into a you know, she has an accident, right? She's on a on a tram, and um, a car crashes into it, right, so she breaks her back, breaks her back, you know, in 
crazy situation. Like, loads of people died in this accident, right? Loads of people died. So she not only is able to survive, but, you know, just deal with these horrendous injuries that impacted her life there onwards. You know, she was kind of confined to a wheelchair for most of the time. You know, she's in bed also most of the time. Right, so, you know, there's times you see her standing in pictures and, and stuff, and you just have to think, how much pain was that, right? How much pain was it to to do certain things? And it's like, um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> you read, like, hey, uh, I think there's this big understanding of pain and this big understanding that a lot of people don't seem to have. Like when they're talking about her work and, and stuff like that. Because you see there is definitely an impact. There is definitely an influence that this has had in driving her forward. You know, and it's it's crazy because we get to see the different eras, the different evolutions of her work here, which is fascinating. It really is. Like, I've you know they've shown her work in you know the the National Gallery and um Portrait Gallery, the Tate. So I've I've had the chance to see it up close. And it is, it's incredible, right, when you actually kind of look at this and you think about, you know, what she's done because she painted a lot of portraits, which is, it's funny when you hear all of these supposed experts talk about her work. And it's great, I think, the fact that this film has so many people, right? So even if, right, you don't agree with one person, there's other people that give a different slant on things, a different interpretation. And so that's always good, right? I mean, that's a great thing that we get here. Just to hear so many different voices um, delving into some of this stuff. But, yeah, like, people just... You you hear them mulling over the... You know, the... It's the, the theory on why there's so many, you know, self-portraits. And it's just, like, she spent... Most of her life in bed Right Most of her life in bed And they, there was a mirror On the top of the bed Which is fascinating When you see this Because we see it Right So we see her The house where she grew up in The houses The different places she lived And You know When you're spending so much time in bed Because you're painting your influences You're painting the things that you see Right, so if, like, the thing that you see the most is yourself in this mirror, right? Yeah, 
Why wouldn't that influence you? And then people wonder why it's this. You you know we get the the these portraits that you know it's not just the head like a lot of kind of portraits we get. Um, you know three quarters of the body, right? And you just think, well, if it's difficult to walk, if it's difficult to to move around. The legs don't really play a huge part in your existence. So, why? Why Why include them? Right? Because they're not really in your sphere of influence. They're not really in your reality. You know, so you focus on the things that kind of are there. And that's what she did. Right, and you see these works, and it is incredible, right? And you do see the changes, you know. And I, that's something that I, I always enjoy, right? When you see someone's work, and you can see these transformations, these, like how certain things that have influenced, and they've taken and they've included that. But um, I think one crazy thing here is, look, the one thing we know about just everyone through history, you know, artists, kings, queens, just any famous person, a lot of times when they get their portrait painted, it's altered. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Henry VIII did it a lot. You know, so you make yourself look different, right? More attractive, slimmer, taller, whatever. That's what people do. But Carlo, she didn't, right? You know, on most of her images, you know, she's got the, um, you know, the big bushy eyebrows, which, you know what? Big bushy eyes, there's that, there's nothing crazy about that, right, you know, I think, but the fact that she doesn't really give a fuck about, you know, the meeting, you know, and joining, like the unibrow, as people kind of call it, doesn't care, you know, she paints herself with, uh, you know, the the faint stubble of a mustache, a lot of, like well most of the time, like most of the time that's how she's painted herself, and the crazy thing is when you actually see actual photographs of her, it's not really there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't see it a lot. You know, occasionally maybe, but you know. A lot of the times, it's, yeah, the lip is smooth. But it's her kind of, you know, she's just like, well, I'm happy. This is fine. Right? And that's fascinating that it's just like, you know what? This is what I think is beautiful. This is what I believe is good to see. Right, and she puts it out there, no, no filters, 
<laughs> which is a good, you know what I mean? Right now, everyone's using filters, right? And Carlo doesn't. And that's interesting. And um, I think also, like, with these different works, you know, we see her with the, the, you know, the flowers in her hair. We see her sometimes with, you know, these intricate plaits with different things weaved within. You know, sometimes she's got these thorns, sometimes in the hair, sometimes around the neck. And I think a lot of the artists, you know, that we hear, they're like, oh, yeah, she's obviously, obviously, right? She's, um, you know, she she's kind of aping Christianity, right? That's her homage to Christianity in the piece when she does this thing. And you're just like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. And that was the fascinating thing. There's all these experts there always like, well, that definitely means this. And that definitely means that. And you're just like, hmm, doesn't have to mean that. Right? Doesn't have to mean that. Like, one interesting thing is the fact that in all her works, right, that she only ever painted, uh, like, a painter's palette three times. So there's one image with um, Riviera, right, her husband. And she, it, it's got him holding it. And in another picture... When she had, just after her miscarriage, right, we've got her with a third arm holding it. And then in one of her, you know, later images in the, in the you know, uh, I think it was a year before she died. She's got one and the, the palette is depicted as her heart, right? So you've got the painter's palette and on it is a heart and the paintbrushes are dripping with blood. And what I thought was interesting was, you know, in the in the image after her miscarriage, everyone's like, ah, oh, in this image, you know, this is the one where she's finally kind of seeing herself as a painter, as an artist. And you're just like, well... I wouldn't necessarily say that, right? I think a lot of times we have different focuses, right? We we There's different things that impact our lives. But I think at this point, you know, she's had this miscarriage. And it's interesting because she writes about it as well. You know, she's asking for advice. She writes to her friend and she's just like... Oh, it was when she was in Detroit with uh, Riviera And she's like, um, you know, I'm two months pregnant Like, what do you think? I'm thinking it's probably best if maybe I have an abortion Because I don't think my body can will be able to handle it You know, with the polio and everything else like that Yeah, I, I think the strain is, it might be too much I think, you know, there's illness in my blood, so the baby will never be born healthy. So she's asking for this advice, right? 
and yeah, she you know she miscarriages, and I think the 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 the, the palette isn't necessarily going. Oh, now I finally see myself as a painter, but it's just like, okay, well, I yeah, I definitely can't have kids, right? Definitely can't have kids. So, ink my focus now. I'm gonna just fully put it into my work, right, so, yeah, I think, but that might not even be, you know, I'm not saying that's right, but I just feel there's different ways to interpret this, but that's the beauty of art, right, you can look at it, and what you see, another person is going to see something different, right, so, that's the thing, but we get to see so much of the art, like, so much of the art, and an idea of the different things that were happening in her life, you know, at these different stages, and that is fascinating, you know, I I do, I did enjoy this documentary, I thought that, um, yeah, it, it gave you some good insights, Right, there was a point when um her first exhibition uh that was in New York, right? We have her talking and so she did the one in New York and then she went to Paris because this the, the, at the exhibition in New York it was the first time she sold like work. So she sold loads of pieces at this thing and this uh, uh, you know this gallery in Paris bought some of her work, so she went over to that, and then, you know, she's written, oh, yeah, you know, so I'm here, and, you know, it's funny, because, like, Kandesky was, you know, he was saying nice things, and Picasso was saying nice things, and you're just like, fuck, how crazy, you know what I mean, it's like, at this point, and all of these just people are converging, Right, imagine that It's kind of like When you realise that Tolkien was friends With uh, C.S. Lewis And a whole gang of other Great writers And you're just like, yo Imagine that Being able to bounce Ideas off of Right, that that would be crazy But yeah you, You find out these different Things that it's just like Huh, interesting, really interesting, and I think also by knowing all of this stuff, by finding out about all of this stuff, it's when you see certain pieces, right, you kind of go, oh, right, that, I see something else in that now. Right, there's there's something else in that that kind of comes forth, right? So you've got the the, the really famous image of the two freeders, you know. So there's the one where she's holding the you know the miniature fresco of Riviera, and then you've got the other one with the broken heart, and they're connected. But it's just like I think if without knowing anything, you can look at that piece and you kind of think, oh, 
yeah, maybe it's saying this one thing, but when you find out all of this other information, you're just like, okay, yeah, I I see this other stuff in it now, right? I you know, there's like this strength, this determination, you know, like. Yes, my heart is broken, but, you know what, I'm still creating, you know, because it's the blood turning into flowers, so it's just like, okay, I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna use it, right, so, yeah, I think that's the fascinating thing that you get from seeing a lot of this stuff, you know, it's like, we've got the this other great image of her, and she's kind of in the desert, she's wearing, uh, you know, like a, a white dress, well, kind of on a bottom half, and then the top half, you've got this kind of white corset, and through the middle, we see her spine, right, but the spine is shown as, you know, kind of like a Greek column, but the column is broken in so many pieces, and it's fascinating, right, because you just think, this, you know, the spine that's meant to support you is broken, and the fact that she's depicted it as a column, it's fascinating, right, we, we see all of this stuff, you know, like the column, these columns are beautiful, right, so it's the fact that, you know, my spine is broken, but there's still this beauty here, it still has some purpose, you know, it's like a driving force, and yeah, I don't know, people, there's a lot of insight that you could take from this, you know, it might not be correct insight, but there's stuff that, you know, will speak to you, Right, and I think there's, if you're, you know, trying to create yourself, I think you can look at this and go, hmm, okay, well, she took that pain, she took that heartache, you know, like a husband that's cheating on you, you know, a sister that sleeps with your husband, miscarriages, like being bedridden, all of these things, and be like, okay, well, Maybe I can channel my pain. I can channel the things affecting me and, um, you know, try and create like she did. Possibly. Who knows? Right? Well, people, this is coming out on uh, Tuesday the 20th. Right, Tuesday, crazy day, right, to, you know, launch a film, but that's what they're doing, and, um, if you go to the, um, uh, exhibition on screen website, you can find out, it's, it will give you a list of all the places where, which is showing this, you know, so think Curzon's, think, um, Everyman's, you know, the little independence, those boutique places, but also, I'm, I'm sure you might find it in your Odeon, or some place, but go to the website, and it will give you all that information, 
Okay, so yeah, there will be a link in the episode information and on the website, which will be launching very soon, people. Be up and running soon. So, yes, you will find all of that information there. So, people, yeah, go check it out. I think if you like, isn't if you like documentaries, if you like just like art, right? I think that this will interest you. You know, this will fascinate you. If you all you've ever kind of seen, you you recognize the name, you've you've seen the picture. But you know nothing Well, hey, this is a perfect time to find out more people So, uh, yeah, check it out It's, um, hasn't got an elaborate name It's just Frida Kahlo, right? You know, it's called Frida Kahlo So it's from exhibition on screen And, um, yeah, go check it out Okay, people, so as we draw to a close on another episode, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films. Well, um, yeah, this is an interesting one. So, um, they are making, and when I say they, I mean Warner Brothers, they're making a film based on Toto. <laughs> and I mean Alice's Toto from The Wizard of Oz. Right, so it's gonna be directed by Alex Timbers, right? And it's an adaptation of Michael Morpew's children's book, Toto, the gone, the dog gone amazing story of the Wizard of Oz. So basically, it's kind of a retelling of L. Frank Boone's The Wizard of Oz book. But it's going from the point of view of Toto. Huh. So um, John August wrote the script and Jared Stern and Derek Frey are producing. So I imagine if this is a success, it could become, you know, a franchise of such, right? We will see. Uh, Another kind of old franchise that's kind of coming back is, um, well, a French company. Is it a French company? Um, well, it's a French director. Yeah, it's a French director for sure. Um, well, yeah, and pa- well, and Paramount, but Paramount France. Meh. You know, semantics, right? They are making a um, a live action film on the twenty first book in the Tintin franchise. Yeah, book came out in 1963, and um, you know it's the uh, the for Emerald. That's the book that's being adapted, adapted even, <laughs> and it's from 
filmmaker Patrice Leconte. Right, so um, word is he has, um, you know, he's got a couple of his cast down. Right, so Captain Haddock and Bianca Castafor, but he's still looking for Tintin. So uh, yeah, interesting. You know, because I think we we thought we were gonna get a whole rash of Tintin films when um, Spielberg and Jackson teamed up in 2011, but. Yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a damp squid, really, wasn't it? So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this, right? So, um, next up, people, I, 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 you know, we spoke about this in um, Echoes from the Void this week. But what I didn't know then is... With the whole Gal Gadot Cleopatra controversy, the director who is making that film is Gadot's Wonder Woman compatriot, Patty Jenkins. Yeah. So they're making it. Um, and it's coming through Paramount Pictures, who um, won a huge bidding war, supposedly. For um for the rights now, no one really knows what's gonna happen, right? Are they gonna change Godot out for someone else? Who knows? What we do know is um, Lita Kalogdragis is um writing the screenplay, so uh, yeah. We will wait to see what happens in this saga. Now, in some other news, right? So, Lionsgate have pushed back a couple of their films to next year, which isn't really a huge surprise. And these films are um, Voyagers, which is starring Colin Farrell, and Fatal. Which is starring Hilary Swank Right, so um, Yeah, that is that And uh, a film that we spoke about During this 64th London Film Festival Supernova Which was, you know Extremely good People Yeah, definitely should check that out um, And we spoke to the director Harry, you know but, um, yeah, the North American rights to that have been picked up by Bleecker Street. So, our American friends, you will be able to see this film, which is definitely a good thing. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah, this is um, interesting, right? So, Carrie Juji... Fukunaja is, um, yeah, making a film called Shockwave, which is um, based around, uh, you know, the atomic bomb dropping on Hiroshima in August 1945. 
right? So it's going to be based on Stephen Walker's non-fiction book about the um, incident. And it, it basically will start free in the three weeks leading up to the bomb dropping. Yeah. Interesting, and they're gonna follow a lot of different characters. So, from the Manhattan Project scientists, the pilots, Japanese victims, and world leaders. Right, the film is gonna be um, written by uh, Tom Stoppard. Right, so um, you know, we know we're in good hands with that. So yeah, this is interesting There's definitely an interesting um, Story Right? I mean, it ushered in the nuclear age As it were Uh, So um, Bill Nye He is uh, Taking on a role In an Adaptation of Akira Kurosawa's uh, Ikiru Right, so um, yeah, this film, the original Japanese version of the film, came out in 1952. So um, this new take is moving everything across to London, but still set in 1952. And um, Nai is going to be playing William, a veteran civil servant. Who has become a small cog in the bureaucracy of rebuilding post-World War II England. As endless paperwork piles up on his desk, he learns he has a fatal illness. Thus begins his quest to find some meaning to his life before it slips away. So, uh, yeah. Now, interestingly enough, right... Remains of the Day author Kazuro Ishiwara is um, writing the script. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And um, we've got Olivia, sorry, Oliver Hermanos will be um, directing, and it's also starring Amy Lou Wood. So, yeah. I think that sounds interesting, people, right? I mean, you can never really go wrong with Bill Nye. Now, this this has really piqued my interest. Okay, so Matthew Cherry, um, along with Monica A. Young, right? So they've created this idea for a new... Um, yeah, a new film that is going to be looking at the life of the boy king Tutankhamun, right? So it's going to be called Tut, and they're saying it's an Afro-futuristic coming-of-age story, which, um, yeah, it's fascinating. So it's going to be an animated piece, and it's coming through Sony Pictures, Right, so, um, yeah, I mean, that time is fascinating, you know, if you think about it, right, ancient Greece, sorry, ancient Egypt even, 
Man, it introduced the world to countless modern conventions and technologies. So just imagine the ripped tapestry that they had to play with. So, um, yeah, I am very much looking forward to, uh, to this. Uh, now, this is, this is interesting. So, Legendary, right, who have been behind a myriad of huge franchises and films... They are um, picking up the rights to Buck Rogers. Yeah. Right, so um, basically, right, Don Murphy and Susan Montford, right, so they are going to produce this film and they want it to uh, be the springboard for a multi-platform franchise. So basically, right, they want to add the film, which will have then generate a, you know, a prestige television series, as well as an anime series. Yeah. So, um, I know. It could be interesting. I mean, we've had so many different takes, right? Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, the, I, the character isn't bad He's just been handled badly at times So we'll see what happens We will see what happens Now, this is pretty big Right, so I think, figure You know, with the coronavirus and cinemas shutting You know, not being able to have full audience and stuff like that We've seen a lot of studios Try and figure out what they're going to do with their huge films Right, so a lot of them have pushed the films back But some, some have offloaded those films to streaming services And Paramount have done just that So, the the new Eddie Murphy sequel coming to America Is, um, yeah, it's Coming to Amazon Yep, they've sold the film For uh, Oh, they're saying Roughly 125 million Dollars Which is crazy But you can imagine um, Yeah, Paramount Definitely wanted that money back From that big shoe Right, they sold You know, Chicago, the trial of Chicago 7 To Netflix so they're definitely, um, you know, looking to recoup. But it does mean we get to see, um, yeah, we get to see this film. Which, hey, not a bad thing because the first was hilarious. So fingers crossed that this sequel can live up to that. Now, after the big falling out and then the recoupling between Marvel and Sony, that I look, you knew was I mean, I knew it was always gonna happen, right? So, plans are afoot for the upcoming shooting of Spider Man 3. So, word is that replacing Iron Man and then Nick Fury. We will be getting Doctor Strange.
strange in this third film um, as the mentor to Spidey, right? Which means, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch will be, uh, you know, picking up that role, which is always a fun thing, right? So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So, word is, yeah, shooting is just, you know, round the corner, right? And they're looking to um, have the film come out December next year. So, we will see. So, um, this is interesting, okay? So, um, Ava DuVernay, she has a new film, right? And it is called the origins of our disconnect it's going to be hitting um, sorry netflix right and um it is based on well it's an adaptation of isabel wilkinson's um book of the same name right and I mean, the interesting thing is, so it's going to use multiple different stories to look at the unspoken system that has shaped America and chronicles how our lives today are defined by a hierarchy of human divisions dating back generations. I mean, I feel it's something that a lot of people know, but I think... There's also a lot of people that don't. Right, so yeah, it's fascinating. Now, Duvernay, um, along with Sarah Brenma and Paul Garns, will also produce the film. Okay, so, um, hey, another interesting thing is coming, and this will be through Scott Free and 20th Century Studios. Um, and this is a Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, film, biopic, you know, um, it's from Ridley Scott, and Joaquin Phoenix will be playing the diminutive French military leader, yeah, so, um, I think they're, they're saying that it's going to basically look at Napoleon's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor, right? And they are um, kind of framing it through the prism of his addictive and often a volatile relationship with Josephine, his wife and one true love. So, yeah. You know, Napoleon is a is an interesting story, right? So uh, I think this, you know, could be fascinating. And the fact that you know Scott's handling it, I f- I feel that you know that isn't a bad thing, right? We've got David uh, Scarpa who will be um, you know. Producing the script, right? And people, let's end with this. So, the Russo brothers are, um, you know, they're pretty dependable, right? 
They had the, um, you know, I really enjoyed the uh, Chris Hensworth film that they they came with earlier in the year. And they've got another film which has just been picked up by Netflix. Okay, so it's called Moosel, right? It's written by Matthew Michael uh, Carnahan. And, um, yeah, it's inspired by a 2017 uh, New Yorker article, right? So it follows a fight between a renegade police unit and ISIS fighters who have destroyed their homes. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Netflix have picked it up. And um, it's going to be hitting the uh, streaming surface pretty soon from all accounts. So, uh, you know, that will be a uh, yeah, an interesting thing for November viewing. So we'll see what happens with that. But people, that is us for another episode. Listen... You've got three more days Friday, Saturday and Sunday Left of the London Film Festival So, um, you know what I mean? Go to the website Check out all those last remaining tickets There's still a few films that are, you know Getting ready to premiere So people, don't miss out, right? There's going to be, um, you know, an, our next episode of the, uh, yeah, festival edition of Echo Chamber will be hitting tomorrow, Friday. So, uh, yeah, people keep an eye out for that. Go back, check out the previous seven episodes. And, um, hey, enjoy your film viewing, people. And we'll see you next Thursday. Peace.